Football, it's time for the Longhorn live stream Sunday night uh, alongside Jerry Hamilton and Rod Babers. Uh, guys, uh, y'all ready for tonight? Going to have a little fun? Uh, hook them from sure. South Rapid City, South Dakota. Oh, it's, yeah. Baylor, it's Big 12. It's Baylor week. Are you kidding me? It is Baylor week, Jerry. I, I mean, uh, now they all count. Yes. This is the uh, preseason. <laughs> now they all count, right? Uh, if Texas wants to be Big 12 champs uh, from here on, uh, they've got to they've got to push it forward and make it happen. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, Jerry, uh, Rod, we all watched the game again for a second time today. Uh, I watched actually the, th- the second half three times now, uh, so I'm I'm uh, overkill, I guess. I, I, I wanted to inject some of the Kool Aid <laughs> into my veins, Bobby. That's the fourth quarter. I had to watch it again. I'm just there you go. Hey, hey, but given that we did that, we want to talk about a little bit of that. We want to talk some recruiting. Jerry, you guys had some stories up today on Inside Texas. It was really, really uh, interesting. Uh, Ryan Wingo left uh, Austin, not committed to the Longhorns, uh, but certainly uh, very interested. He will visit Missouri next week uh, as well. The the, uh, Tigers, of course, his home state school, as well as the team. Uh, that uh, beat Kansas State uh, late on a big, long field goal. Uh, B. John Robinson in NFL News had a whale of a day. Uh, went for 100 yards plus uh, and uh, just looked fantastic doing so. Uh, the young man out of Tucson by way of Austin, Texas, is uh, off to a stellar uh, NFL career. A lot of news and, and uh, stuff to talk about, including our feelings about last night's game. Uh, so without uh, further ado, uh, I'm going to go right to you, Rod. Uh, you you watched it back. Uh, who did you pay attention to on your rewatch at this point? Oh, man, that's good. Um, I would say, okay, defensively, man, Jaday Barron, I don't think we appreciated him enough. He was unbelievable out there. I mean, he was – I mean, I, I got to tell you, I mean, he, he made so many plays uh, in, in that game, uh, and, and they were exceptional in so many ways. But I'll just say this, and I think it kind of throws throws it out there for Jade Barron. I, I said before the season started, I thought he was going to be an all Big 12, first team all Big 12 defender. Uh, I'll double down on that. I, I think he's I think he's trending in the right direction. Yeah. I, I love every story I keep hearing about Jade Barron. I heard Lo Galindo tell the story that he presents uh the, the DB coaches with plays, uh, with different formations and different personnel groupings that he thinks that. Hey, these are different personnel groupings. These tendencies, I believe, I can get a jump on. I, I, I can make a play in these situations because these are the, the the tendencies and the trends and the patterns that I've noticed. He's a football investigator. I love the way his mind works. You can tell he studies a ton of film. Uh, but what I love about his game is that he believes it. He believes his film study. When he sees those keys, his instincts kick in, and there's no fear in his game, no doubt in his game. That's why I don't know if I've seen a DB that can get get off slip blocks and get off blocks as well as he does. Like they don't block him. He doesn't. No, I haven't seen a wide receiver really block today, Barry. Yet I don't. Yeah. He, made, he, he stopped somebody on the on a third down in that fourth quarter uh, to keep tech. I mean, to give Texas the ball back on a three and out. Um, I, I couldn't agree more with you, uh, Rod, that he, he is playing at a different level. Who, who else did you see that, that you thought looked really good or that you had some, uh, some maybe criticism for to see what we think here about last night's game? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll say Jonathan Brooks, man, earned my respect going back on the rewatch. I, yeah. 
There is no doubt. You, this is a different game if not for Jonathan Brooks asserting himself in this game and decide. I really do think you know that the competition still brewing between he and CJ Baxter and. Uh, obviously, C.J. Baxter dealing with some injuries, but he did start the first two games. It is obvious he, he wanted to, and I'll, I'll be real. I, I am really interested to see what Sark says about the running back position now going forward in terms of who's going to start in that Baylor game. I'm sure he's going to be asked about it. But Jay Brooks was running like a man on a mission. He was running. He was running like he was. He was running like a man that was. He, he's mad at the grass. All right. He was. It was an angry runs out there for Jay Brooks, and I thought he stood out again on the rewatch. Man, he had he had great vision. Uh, he really did. I mean, you you can see that, and I love this ability. Once again, it stood out his ability to to break tackles, um, and really at the next and get to, and what's at the second level be a threat to break tackles at the second level. He's not a speedster that'll just run away from you. Uh, but if you if you're in open field trying to tackle Jay Brooks. He's going to be a problem for you. He's proved that before. So, Got it. Uh, all right. Rod, uh, Jerry. We lost Bobby's sound. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Something happened. Uh, yeah. Technical difficulties. That's all right. Yeah, if Bobby's still talking, those sound. Uh, Rod, yeah. Um, well, no. yeah. I, I guess kind of <clears> – <throat> Some early thoughts then while we transition a little bit uh, until Bobby comes back. But uh, notice no deep balls. I mean, what were your yeah. thoughts on that? We saw the uh, there were two to JT Sanders in the red zone, right or close to the red zone. That was that out and up. And then yeah. there was the he was right. I think he was a nub tight end right. and a motion outside. I think he ran the seam route. Uh, there was actually there were three. I think I want to say there were three to JT Sanders alone. There was another one at JT. And you're right. Remember the linebacker was on uh, the blitz, blitz out yes. there on the edge they, in the red zone area. Yes, and they so I want to say at three just to JT Sanders, which okay. So can I just get? I don't want to get too deep into it here, but we're gonna dive into it in football theory and later on in the week. But and you brought it up, Jerry. So I'll give you a lot of credit. That Wyoming, they they minor major whatever you call it, in the three high three down, uh, which is one of the schematic concepts that Sark has had issues with. Uh, based on my research, uh, Sark offenses average around eight and a half points fewer per game uh, when they, uh, you know, in against three high defenses, teams that major or minor in compared to teams that don't. This, and I updated this morning, too, because I figured based on what I saw from Wyoming, they major or minor in it. That's their thing. And one of, one of the. I would say one of one of the things it forces offenses to do uh, initially with the pre-snap, um, it forces you to look elsewhere other than the, the deep routes because they're, you know, initially they got deep safeties. They got three of them. They're rotating. Sometimes yeah. they rotate down to the box. Sometimes they rotate to two deep, rotate to single high. You never know how the three are going to rotate. They're malleable. But initially your pre-snap read for the quarterback, it's usually not going to be deep because they have, that they, they have the umbrella coverage. Yeah. They have deep safety until they end up rotating out of that. Uh, so I think initially that's what steer, uh, deterred Texas from the deep ball. But if you look at it, there are, and I, I, I went and got into it here, there are a lot of things Texas did in this game. And I think Sark didn't want to reveal it because I think Sark's been working on a way to expose the three high three down. And I don't think he wanted to reveal some of this stuff versus uh, Wyoming, but uh, Bobby and Jerry, I don't think he had a choice. I think he broke some of it out. And I got a chance to see it, and we'll get into some of it too. But a lot of it was the power running game. At one point, he decided, you know what, to hell, we, to hell with the throw, throwing the football. We're just going to rely on the power running game. And they went 12 personnel in the second half, and I wouldn't chart it. They basically had to 
At one point, they had the same formation out there. I got to go chart it. It, was, it had to be nine out of 12 plays or something like that. I'll go make sure I look at my notes and get it for you. But it was unbelievable what they ran to say. They saw something. And Sartre got stubborn with it and kept and they ran it out of that formation over and over and over and over and over. He said it in the post game. He said, uh, he said it in the post game, Rod. He said that he he did a little something different. He didn't say what it was to get more physicality yes. up front for his offensive line and put them in a little different position in the run game. Yeah, we'll have to dive. I'll go back and rewatch it, but you guys will watch it in the second half there. When they go 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends, they went the same formation over yeah. and over and played power football. Uh, so Sark, Sark's, Sark's been working on that three high, three down. It's it's a problem for him. You saw it even in, in the first half there. It's a problem for his offense. It's, it matches up really well. We'll get into the X's and O's of that. But I I I know he's been working on it, and I actually see it. I got I think he's got a plan for the three high, three down. He didn't want to re- – he revealed some of it. He had to because he didn't know Wyoming was going to get that competitive. Turns out it did. Yeah. Hey, hey, Rod, you know, is part of that Malik Ogbo's use in the jumbo tight end set? Amen, brother. Amen. Yeah, the 6-0 line package is definitely part of it. And I think Paul Chris' edition is part of it, too. Oh, Um, interesting. Yeah. Um, I I think, yeah. I Basically, what I think his his idea is going to be, like I said, I won't get into the X and O, so we'll save all that because we'll be on here forever talking about it. It'll bore people half to death. That's what football theory is all about. But I think Sark's going to go extreme to beat the three high three down. Because the more extreme you go against three high three down, you force the three high three down, which is a malleable defense uh, built to distort pre-snap reads and pre-snap diagnosis. You force the defense to reveal itself. You force them. If you go like extreme passing formations and spread them out, they have to reveal themselves. They can't. They can't play with the pre-snap diagnosis and the pre-snap uh, reads. They can't play with that, uh, the pre-snap disguise. Uh, and if you go extreme heavy sets, they got to – hey, man, we got to play run. We can't get caught out of position against this extreme heavy sets. They got too much mass on the field. So I think Sark is figuring out – and that's kind of what he did. He went 12 personnel and decided he's going to run the football. But he knew against Wyoming he could go 12 and run – and run the ball against them. I don't think in Big 12 play he's going to be able to do that all the time, but that's why he's got the 6-0 line package, the Big 11, Big 12. Hey, hey, and, Rod, that's the only defense that really can take away all his window dressing pre-snap. Amen. It doesn't – It doesn't. Yeah, exactly. Hey, great it, point. That's exactly right, right? Yeah. No, it, no it, it, so it takes away what he loves to do pre-snap. So now he's had to go back to the drawing board as an offensive coordinator and say, okay – what do I have to do now uh, yeah. to have success against this defense? The, the, at a defensive coordinator, guys, tell me the best description of the three high, three down. He said, for the quarterback, it's a truth that tells a lie. The three high, three down is the truth that tells a lie. You think you know exactly what it is, but then you get – like even – almost that pick, uh, you know, that, there was a – even you go look at how Quinn was off in that game, I think a lot of it is because his pre-snap diagnosis was a little bit off. And, and the angles of the defenders and where they were coming from to get into their zones. I, it's just, it could, the, the three highs just relatively new to them. But I think Sark's got a plan for it. So don't panic. I ain't trying to panic people. I think Sark's got a plan for it, actually. I, I do. He's been working on it, man. He's, he's been in the lab. I know. I, I, I'm a football theorist. I'm a football investigator. I've seen it. Everybody else ain't noticed the clues. I'll reveal them to you guys. I, I know he's been working on it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, Jerry, I want to get to I want to get you on the record on some recruiting stuff. At first, we need to say thank you to our Sunday night sponsor. That's the guys over at the Cross Oak Group. 
Crosshook is one of the leading government affairs firms in Texas, specializing in lobbying, political communications, business development, and regulatory compliance. These days, government finds ways to impact nearly every aspect of your business. With decades of experience from arranging from the State House to the White House, Crossoak Group helps its clients hedge risk and protect and grow their bottom lines. To learn more, go to www.crossoakgroup.com. That's www.crossoakgroup.com. Uh, we appreciate their sponsorship of each and every Sunday night live stream. Hey, Jerry, uh, Ryan Wingo headlined the group, but he wasn't the only star on campus. Yeah, no, uh, Ryan Wingo, obviously unofficial visit. I was standing down pretty close down there. His entire family uh, was down there, trainer. I mean, there were six, seven, eight people in that in that uh, group. Uh, and I think Texas is in a really good spot. He's going to visit Missouri this weekend. He continues to say December. I'm not buying it. We'll see what happens. Um, I don't think it goes to December. If he doesn't make a visit September 30th to Tennessee, what's really left? You're, you're down to two schools at that point. Um, and I just don't believe you're going to take three months to decide it. Um, so he's scheduled, he told Chad Simmons, he's scheduled to visit Missouri this weekend, which I confirm that is the plan as of Sunday afternoon. Um, but yeah, I think Texas is in a pretty good spot there. Uh, Decorian Moore, Colin Simmons were there. Um, you know, it was, it was interesting being down there watching those guys. Uh, Colin Simmons spent a couple of minutes with John Tay Cook there after warmups. Decorian Moore spent a lot of time with Chris Jackson. Everybody kind of Came over to Corey and said hello. Those two guys walked out together a little bit later than some of the other recruits did. Um, and, I, you know, look, the, it's going to be a battle with uh, DeCorey more. I mean, LSU's got him as a verbal right now, um, and, and Texas will keep battling there, and there's a long way to go, and it's uh, what makes SEC uh, recruiting fun. I mean, th that's the reality. And a bunch of 2025 OLs were there. Uh, Michael Fasusi, I put up a photo with him and Daniel Cruz. I mean, it was almost like Cruz was his visit host yesterday in a way <laughs> um, as a commitment. But uh, uh, but Fasusi's junior video is very good, by the way, if you haven't seen it. Um, I think Texas is in a good spot. Oklahoma running two for Fasusi there. Expect to see him in the Cotton Bowl on uh, October 7th. Um, so I think it was a good weekend. I thought, you know, look, um, I talked to Josh Newberg and on three about it today. I said it was a great environment for recruiting before the game i mean the cdc what he's done with bevo boulevard what he's done inside the stadium and it was after the win against bama it was a who's who down there i mean when sergio garcia's out you know pj a, a master's champion from spain obviously married into a ut quarterback family he's out there with his texas gear on right miles turner i mean tj ford all the briner Akpo, everybody's out there right i mean uh, recruits are saying hello to those guys. People are taking photos. I mean, it was an event, as you'd expect, after the win against Alabama. So until the game kicked off, until that first run, man, and, and, and until Wyoming walked into DKR and dictated the game for 45 minutes and then pretty much got on a plane a couple hours later and left, that was a great recruiting setup for Texas that night. I, I, I want to ask you a couple more things here, Jerry, because I, I think it's interesting uh, as I look at it. Uh, not only Ryan Wingo and the other guys that were there, uh, but uh, it sounds like Wingo is going to Missouri this coming weekend, according to Chad Simmons, who talked to him. Uh, and also uh, Christian Clark, I wanted to mention this. He is uh, ran for over 200 yards in his return on Friday night. I want you and Rod to watch a little bit of him uh, yeah. if you guys well, get a well, chance. That's, uh, talking ball this week, I actually told Rod we're going to do a running backs because I we were thinking it was going to be running backs. 
uh, against Wyoming. Mm-hmm. It just had that feel it was going to be a game. I thought they'd come out running the ball a little bit and said, okay, we ended Bama this way. And now we're going to come out and do it to you, Wyoming, and take control early. That didn't happen. But I was thinking running backs, and we're going to get into the running back position. Um, and then we're going to take a look at Jarrett Gibson and Christian Clark. By the way, Jarrett Gibson was at Florida for the Tennessee game Saturday. So now at Wardell Mack was as well, by the way. Um, but, you know, look, Cedric Baxter went to two FSU games last year. Uh, Texas isn't surprised that kids are going to go on visits. I mean, it's going to happen, right? Kid lives in Gainesville. He comes home from IMG. Florida should not back off. And if Florida stops recruiting uh, Jarrett Gibson or DeAndre Robinson, that's fireball offenses. You don't just let the best players in the state walk out of your state and go to the new SEC school. So that's recruiting in the SEC. Take Look, Texas isn't just letting DeCorey and Moore go to LSU, right? I mean, that's not the way recruiting goes. Those kids are going to show up on campuses. Kids are going to show up on the Texas campus committed elsewhere, and I'm guessing two or three will on the 30th. All right, we're going to take some uh, questions uh, from the audience here tonight, as we normally do. Uh, first, I want to mention one other thing. I thought we saw, just on the rewatch, guys, I thought we saw the first extended action of Trill Carter on Saturday night, uh, the uh, transfer from Minnesota against a run-heavy defense or a run-heavy uh, offense. It appears they like Trill Carter as an additional DL instead of Jare Bledsoe. Jare Bledsoe was suited out and fine going into the game, but did not see a snap. He's a little bit younger, not as good against a run. He's more of a pass rush guy. Uh, so that was an interesting uh, development on the defensive side of the ball. It also means Trill Carter's getting healthier, which is a good sign, too, for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Because I'm telling you guys, that first game of the year when he came in late and he had that big old knee brace on his left knee, and I just happened to be watching that play where he turned and tried to push off that leg and get and get down the line of scrimmage. That was not – there was a hitch in his giddy-up. So he is – He's getting closer to 100%. That is a good sign for Texas, too, Bobby. Hey, Bobby, that's a great point you bring up about the defense, though, that we don't appreciate enough, right? They're so deep now that situationally and matchup-wise, they can use different defenders they trust, right? You brought this up in the post game that look at the corner rotation. Looks like when they saw, oh, man, that Wyoming's trying to exploit Maybe, you know, looks like they were trying to support Ryan Watts a little bit uh, on that quick out um, that they they can move some guys around. They play, you know, Gavin Holmes and Malik Muhammad a lot more late. And I didn't even see it. You, you brought it up and they did. And I think maybe that was their adjustment to go. All right. You know what? Just in case on some of these passing downs, they want to try to attack Ryan Watts again. Let's adjust. We, they, we also saw him, uh, with David Bender in, you know, when 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 they had that Anthony big Hill. run. Yes, with Anthony Hill, and he's a he's a freshman. He made a freshman mistake. Obviously, that's what happens, right? Um, and he made a mistake. You know, went to the wrong hole, and they decide, all right, David Bender. He's more stable at that position. He may not have the upside of an Anthony Hill. May not make the splash plays he makes, but at least we can stabilize the defense with him. All right, we won't have the you know the the big runs. We won't have the big letdowns potentially. All right, so. And you'll look at safety. They did the same thing. You brought that up, Jerry, right? That safety, they're rotating a lot of safety. They're rotating like five safeties potentially back there. So now you're looking at with Derek Williams, and I think they may decide if Jaron Thompson, he's making some plays, but if he's a liability in some of the coverage because, you know, the teams decide they can isolate him, hey, let's put one of those other guys out there that can cut Keaton Crawford. You know, they went after Keaton Crawford a little bit. 
But now they got some of those other safeties, maybe with Catalan, maybe with a young Derek Williams. If he gets, you know, enough experience, they can put them out there in situations. So I think that's how deep they are defensively. Uh, that's an asset. It's an hey, asset. Are they figuring it out right now in the front? Hey, Rod, Rod, that's a great point. And this is why pass rush is so critical for Texas in the Big 12. And, and they played against the team Saturday night. They ran a lot of double tight, right? Moved the pocket. Yep. They did enough moving that line of scrimmage, slanting in the run game. But teams are going to attack the Texas safeties in coverage, uh, other than Catalan. That's going to happen. Uh, so that's why pass rush is so critical because those are longer developing plays. Yep. And the pass rush becomes important because how do you, how does Texas keep maybe the the area that the team's going to attack in the passing game? How do they protect them? How do they mask it? The only way you mask that is if you have pressure on the quarterback. Agreed. Hey, Wyoming did a good job, though. Uh, yep. neutralizing the pressure, right? They moved the pocket a lot. Yep. Uh, like you said, they were they were quick passes. Those were quick outs to get out. They they did a decent job. They played a lot of heavy 12 personnel, like you yep. said, as well. All right. Uh, let's get to some questions, guys. You guys ready for this? Yeah, let's do it. All right. All right. This one's going to go from William Niche. Uh, he asks, what was the issue with Quinn Ewers Saturday night? Do you believe Ewers will find his rhythm and become a more consistent quarterback? Or is this just who Ewers is? He's only, <laughs> don't forget, he's still a young quarterback. Jerry, Rod, either of you guys want to take this? I would say the game plan did not do Quinn Ewers any favors uh, versus Wyoming. And and I got to go back and listen to the uh, the the media availability in the post game for Sark. But you brought it up, Bobby, that apparently the defenses that were thrown out there were not the defenses that were expected. Uh, by the, the Texas offensive coaches. So they had to adjust on the fly, and that's what you do. Um, so I, I will say that I don't think the game plan helped them. Uh, Jerry might have been right when he said they probably should have went and tried to pound the rock. That I will say that I think Sark, I'll give I'll, outside with Sark, I'll be devil's advocate here. If he should have went and pounded the rock, like you're saying, Jerry, he probably was just trying to attack the weakness yeah. of the – what well, 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 we what well, we can see, what well, we all consider to be the weakness of Wyoming, which was the secondary – and the strength of Texas, which was their passing game. But like I said, I think the three high is what Sark didn't really give enough credit to, that they were going to run a lot of that against Texas. He better get ready for it because it's coming. Uh, each and every week, I mean, the, 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 the story is out on those guys, Rod and Jerry. Yeah. Uh, no doubt. Hey, this one's from Rod. Do you Go think you see more bats in the passing game against the three high? You should. More backs, you should see they're all in one-on-one coverage. Colorado went to the backs a ton against TCU, and he was right. Yeah. All right, hey, this is from Roy Womack. Uh, What happens if Quinn has another up-and-down inconsistent season? So this is a good follow-on question. Draft stock downgrade? Yeah. Uh, Stays another year with UT to develop. We still aren't the dominant team we all want, but happy to be 3-0 and one week at a time. Man, I agree with that last statement there, guys. No, uh, you know, along thanks, Roy, by the way, for the super chat. But I agree, Texas is not a dominant team right. right yet. But I tell you what, they've got the pieces now that a game like yesterday is a game like yesterday where they win 31 to 10 instead of losing like 45 to 44 against Cal at home. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where yeah. Cal just runs up and down the field, can't stop the run, right? Texas can adjust, uh, and uh, I think it was either Paul Wadlington or Eric Nalin today on Inside Texas wrote that the defense 
is the shows the floor of what this team can be. In other words, the, the offense is the ceiling. How how good can this team be? It's going to depend on the offense. But the team is not going to be very bad because the floor of the defense is really high. I like that. Um, I, I agree with that. But but what do we think about Quinn and his draft stock? Just probably on a downward trajectory if he keeps having up and down games, or does he just have that that kind of stuff, Jerry? You're you're kind of you've got an opinion on this. Yeah, I mean, look, I I, I think the I think the NFL looks at things differently than fans do a lot of times. I mean, how, how much how much three high three down uh, is Quinn going to see in the NFL? I mean, some of those things. But look, I. I, I go back to this. Guy started 13 games. I mean, he, his best game of the season was Alabama when everybody was watching. They've seen what he can do. Um, I think that, that the whole key for Quinn is to put together a season good enough that, okay, you play as a third-round talent, but that could get you into the late first round because of the way the NFL drafts. I mean, that that it's it's that's the way they draft. That's the way they're going to look at it. They're going to look at a young quarterback. Uh, that can make all the throws and that they can uh, help get to where uh, he wants to be. I mean, I think that's a lot of times how this the draft goes. Yeah, I think. I think. Go ahead, Rod. I'm sorry. I was saying, like, do we do we look at Anthony Richardson's stats like for, for Fuller his, his last year, 2022? Y'all want to go look? Y'all want to bring those stats up? I mean, all you really got to do is show the freakish upside. That's what the NFL draft is about. Yep. Freakish upside. And like I said, Anthony Richardson, he was a freak at the combine. But I'm just saying Quinn has some freakish skills and freakish traits of his own. And he showed some of that already with some throws. Honestly, mostly Bama film. <laughs> For some, I guess somebody told him, like, dude, you want to get drafted? You need to ball out versus Bama. <laughs> and, he's, <laughs> and he's balled out versus Bama. And he's balled out versus Oklahoma in these big games. It's, it's weird. He's had his best game in big games. You know what I mean? And then some of the other games that are uh, not so, you know, big, he doesn't necessarily have his best games, Oklahoma States. And you know, so it's weird. I don't know. It's I don't really get it. I think I'm with Jerry. The draft stock of his, it's still going to be really high because of the freakish skills and the freakish upside. You can you can go back to a lot of uh, – Anthony Richardson's the latest uh, example of that, but there are a lot of examples of guys not necessarily showing it on their college tape, but just showing enough freakish skills – for NFL scouts to fall in love, and then it's over. There you go. Hey, hey, I've got a question for you guys. This is a combo question. I'm gonna I'm gonna create both of them together. Michael W. We are averaging only 4.3 <laughs> points in the first quarter. Are we saving too much stuff for the fourth? Uh, Rod, you and I talked about that a little bit last night. Uh, yeah. And then this from Aaron George. Did Cedric Baxter being out alter the game plan? The run was there all night. I could have seen 60 plus team carries. With Baxter available, I got to be honest, Jerry. I had not necessarily thought about it, but they didn't have two bruising backs last night. Right. Not unless they were going to go to Savion Red. Yeah, uh, and and Jonathan Brooks is not necessarily a bruiser, right? So what? maybe maybe that had something to do with their game plan going immediately to the pass early. Well, and then a the third thing, a uh, pretty sharp old coach. My dad texted me today and said, "I had a lot of wide receiver recruits at that game." <laughs> well i i think that baxter hey i think baxter did being being a little uh hurt did uh hurt their their game plan 
because they could have thrown to the backs easily and run those bubble screens on the outside yeah. and got Quinn in rhythm. Yeah, but I, right. I, agree, I agree with that as well. I mean, look, I mean, the, here's the thing. With Cedric Baxter down, and the reality is we don't know. Only the coaching Sark training staff to short choice right now know uh, where Cedric Baxter is. But you know they were concerned. They didn't want to put all that workload on Jonathan Brooks in that game because they start the Big 12 next week. The, probably the last thing they wanted him to do is touch it 20, 25 times in that game. But Wyoming dictating that game for 45 minutes changed what they had to do to win it. That's the reality. Uh, okay, I hey. get to that first question, Bobby, about the first quarter and the fourth quarter. Yeah. Okay, guys, listen, all last year, all we complained about was man, Sark, he's great on the opening script, right? It's like Quentin Tarantino's script on the opening script. It's awesome, right? And then in the fourth quarter, the collapse happens and Texas gets outscored in the fourth quarter, which they did literally last season, outscored in the fourth quarter in overtime, even though they outscored their opponents in the first three quarters by 179 points combined. This season, it has been weird that this opening script has not been spectacular. It hasn't gotten you these big you know, leads early on. But your fourth quarters, except for the Rice game, I think you're outscoring the Rice game in the fourth quarter. But other than that, your fourth quarters have been spectacular. So, guys, if I if I if I gave you this option before the season started, you could have a spectacular first quarter, or you could have a remarkable, extraordinary fourth quarter. Which one would you choose? Everybody would choose the fourth quarter. There's nobody out there that ever said, "Hey, man, that movie that I just watched." It really was a great start to the movie and a bad ending, and that was a great movie. No, but you probably have said that movie had a slow start, but a great ending. That was a damn good movie. <laughs> That's how you win Best Picture. That's how you get nominated for for you got to have what a wow me in the end. The ending has to be a hit, right? The ending has got to be money, and right now Texas ending is money. Parts, but the ending is money. I'm not going to complain. That's the first one problem. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. There's probably two or three games in the Big 12 where Texas will need to start well. Yes, I agree. Probably at TCU, who can probably score the ball on you. Um, Oklahoma what if, might what be one. Kansas comes in and scores a couple times in the first quarter. I mean, that you got to be able to start well. There's going to be two or three games where they have to start. Now, Rod. What did those two that's slow starts this year? What did they do defensively? Exactly. <laughs> there you go. That's a great point. That's a great point. Texas needs to start. It's Texas needs to start well against Baylor it's Saturday. And here's the reason why. Baylor's not good team. Okay. We don't know if Shapin's going to be back. Uh, if he is, he's probably not 100 percent Uh, but this is a team that is probably going to play their best game of the season Saturday against Texas, right? It's their last chance to beat old. Texas before they go to the SEC. Saturday's a game Texas needs to get off to a good start because, it you know, you don't want to play bad at Baylor and give them hope. That's There's two or three games where you want to take some hope away early on and say, we okay, these guys are better than we are. Uh-oh, here we go. But, you know, I have two 12 games. Yep. All right, uh, guys, I, I need to say thank you to our sponsor real quick. Uh, on Texas Football, the Sunday Night Live stream brought to you by the Cross Oak Group. Cross Oak is one of the leading government affairs firms in Texas, specializing in lobbying, political communications, business development, and regulatory compliance. These days, government finds ways to impact nearly every aspect of your business. With decades of experience ranging from the State House to the White House, 
Crossout Group helps its clients hedge risk and protect and grow their bottom lines. To learn more, go to www.crossoakgroup.com. Uh, hey, I want to start on this one real quick, guys, if you don't mind. A question here from Christopher Lyons. Uh, an update on Cole Hudson, not just Cole Hudson, Chris Ross. I don't know that we have anything firm yet on either case, uh, but I, I tell you what, I, I would be surprised if either are back in no. the next month. Yeah. Um, but we're waiting on results on Cole Hudson. We do not have those as of yet right now. I'm sure he had an MRI. Or Sark said he's going to go have an MRI on his knee today. Hey, by the way, this is the first game all season because Maurice Blackwell is hurt in fall camp. This is the first game all season that there were injuries that affect Texas rotation and how they're planning to play. So now this Texas staff has to adjust a little bit at the start of Big 12 play. Cole Hudson played more snaps than DJ Campbell against Bama. Uh, Cole Hudson, your backup center. If Jeff- That's the one that I think bothers me is, is like having a different backup center is a tough one. Yeah, and, and obviously Connor Robertson. I think will be uh, he was the number two center last year. Jake Major's gone down with a serious injury, uh, so I think Texas feels comfortable there. But still, that was your number two center, your co-starter right guard, and now what does Texas do with that, guys? Does Hayden Connor play more right guard to help DJ Campbell out and pass pro, and Neto starts to get more playing time at left guard? I think there's going to have to be a change in that rotation. I don't think you're going to play DJ Campbell sixty snaps. Let's see. Let's it's going to be interesting. And then Chris Ross, obviously, is your best first, second step edge rush guy who can just be a disruptor without ever making a play. I don't think you replace that. So it's going to have to change. They're going to have to well, change. This, I actually think you might replace it a little bit. Jamon Tapp, and that's why I brought this one up, Jerry. Jamon Tapp did look solid. In, 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 now, he may not be um, uh, as good as a pass rusher, but he looked like he's probably better than Chris Ross in run defense. He's a bigger guy. Yeah. Hmm. So they've got, again, Rod, to your point earlier, they've got guys that are athletic. Um, All right. This one's for you, Rod B. and Jerry Hamilton, guys. Thunderpup, when you get a chance, would love you to talk about Byron Murphy's TD. Rod, you guys, you've been on a team where a big man scores before. Uh, Does that kind of light up the sidelines a little bit, get everybody elbowing people and stuff like that, saying, hey, look what he did. Now that we didn't get a big man touchdown celebration, did we? Did I miss the big man touchdown celebration? No, there oh, was you no, know, you didn't see the celebration. There was not really any big celebration. We're not just talking about the sideline, kind of nudging each other, saying, "Hey." Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. Not, that's what I'm saying. Like Sark, you could tell Sark's into these types of play, non unconventional, non traditional plays. I want to say we've seen them now and. You know, back to back games at least. No, the Bama game he ran the reverse, had the double pass. Remember that. That double reverse, I believe it was supposed to be a pass. And X-Man decided, thank God. Yeah. He decided to tuck it and run it and just, you know, make, you know, try to make something out of nothing. I think he got zero yards on it, but I'm glad he didn't try to throw it because I don't think anything was open. But and then you get the big man touchdown too. Sark likes these types of plays, whether it be to force your opponent, your future opponent, to have the game plan for all of these different non-traditional plays. You got to spend practice time now. You got to spend practice time now with Byron Murphy as a, a threat in, in that short line goal line, uh, short line goal, you know, goal line play. We also got to spend time on, you know, the reverse being the double reverse pass. You got on to, third oh, one from seven. <laughs> oh, 
right? I'm with you exactly. So I and and this that goes to Sark too, and if we can get into that the Thunder Pump. I think this is kind of part of the equation. Sark, he, he there's a showman in Sark. There's a show as a play caller. There's a bit of a showman in him. Uh, the other uh, person on the chat said Sark could have ran it 60 times and he would have beat the hell out of Wyoming. Probably so. Yeah. But he, as 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 Jerry, you said, uh, coach told you, hey man, he has some people on the sidelines some to recruits. They don't want to watch no game like that. <laughs> they want to watch an offense that's aesthetically pleasing, making some big plays, get the crowd on their feet. The crowd was hyped. They were ready to get hyped the whole ready. game. And I think it. I think for Sark, it frustrated him not to get that crowd on their feet. He wanted them to have that. You know that that moment to express themselves. He wanted them to have uh, that cathartic moment as a crowd, and they never got it. He tried to give it to him several times, and I think that was part of calling some of those non-traditional plays. He likes those plays. Hey, Bobby, I know we got a question, but so so people understand Byron Murphy's background. You know who wasn't surprised by that? Byron Murphy. He played running back until his body said no more. He grew out of it. He wasn't injured. He grew out of it. He became a D tackle. That guy was a running back from youth football. All the way up until his body said, "No, you're going to be six one, three hundred pounds one day." Hey, Jerry, I want to stay with you on this question, Mark. From Mark Lever, this might be a stupid question, but with so many top of the top teams struggling early in games, could it be because of the new clock rule? What do you think, Jerry? Well, I can tell you this: if I'm a if I'm a mid major team coming in to play a Power Five, unless you know, unless you say oh, we can exploit these guys in the passing game, maybe like South Alabama, um, I'm coming in running this ball and I'm using this new rule to my advantage. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, Wyoming, as bad as that is, is, I, you know, the perfect team for that. Honestly, if you don't put them behind the chains and look, I, that's why I still say they dictated tempo uh, the game, even though Texas forced some three and outs. How many th- second and 13s? Yep. How many third and 12s did Wyoming Zero. have? Texas? Zero. Zero. So Wyoming dictated that game until the fourth quarter and the, a couple of playmakers took over and made big plays, right? Um, it, it, these G5 versus P5 games, you prepare for these games. You're going to, I just think in the future, you're going to see these teams try to choke that clock, mm-hmm. like Rod said. Yep. That's the be- Now, the way to play those games is right in front of you. Hmm. Get your three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars. Get on a plane, go back home. If you got a chance to win in the fourth quarter, kudos. All right, here's one from David Rawls. I'm going to answer this one, guys. Uh, why are we seeing Bush, Jet Bush, rush the passer with Burke and Hill on the bench during passing downs? They did that because Wyoming didn't bring anybody off the field, so they couldn't actually substitute freely. Uh, Bush also Texas. A lot of the fourth quarter, Rod. I don't know if you noticed this. Texas went to almost a traditional 4-3 defense. Jade mm-hmm. Barron came off the field multiple times in the fourth quarter. Right? I saw the, I saw them in 40 personnel, and I it surprised me, too. I was like, whoa. You yeah. Because yeah, you never see it. You never they see they it. said, we're stopping the run. We're going to man up at corner. I, I, Anthony Hill Anthony Hill lined up when, when Jet Bush was not in there. Yeah, as a pseudo edge. Yeah. No, well, that that – they they finally I think the reason they went with Bush though is because they wanted someone that they knew knew the gap assignments exactly. uh, as a as a true weak side linebacker in a four three because look Hill's not playing the will he's no. playing strong line, strong side linebacker he knows those roles when there's just two linebackers on the field right Great or point. when he's being a pass rusher so yeah. that's why David it's it's a little bit of a different assignment and they do make changes within the calls so that Bush could actually rush the passer 
at times. So that's that's one of those things. All right, hey Rod, this one's for you because you're the speed demon. JW Crunch wants to know where is the speed <laughs> in the secondary? You have to be able to run down a not so fast running back in the secondary. That's why you're back there, Rod. I, I agree. I do not disagree, my man. Yeah, that that run, that 62 yard run. Uh, yeah, I I could have sworn Jaron Thompson was going to catch him, guys. Go back and look at the. He has the angle. He 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 starts out on the angle. Uh, right ahead of the running back. And he just, the running back destroys that angle. He just can't get to it. And I thought Ryan Watts would make up a little bit of ground, um, but he didn't make up any ground either. So it's it's pretty obvious that, you know, I, I don't know what Jaron Thompson runs in the 40, but that speed is not an asset for him. All right. And I think, you know, teams are going to try to attack that. They want to try to infuse more speed at safety. Hell, Keen Crawford is fast, but still overran a play. Well, he probably should have had a pick six or an interception or a PBU. Uh, so it's not always all about speed, right? He overran a play, and they came after him too a little bit. And King Crawford's one of the fastest guys on the team. Uh, so sometimes it's about getting yourself in the right position, but I agree with you. They need more speed at safety. I think that's maybe why you see Derek Williams getting more snaps. They need more yeah. speed at safety. And Jalen Catalan, I don't know what his speed is, but he plays, he plays fast. Team. He, he plays. He processes play. very fast. Yeah. Hey Rod, did you see the play where he kind of broke up a pass in the back of the end zone? Yes. Jalen Catalan. Yep. Yep. How many safeties make that play with a tight now, end? Now, it, yeah. it was not a catchable ball, but yeah. he would have made that a contested catch had yep. it been a catchable ball. Yeah, it was a right? great. It was a great recovery too. Yes, yeah. that's what I say. Jalen Ford let his man go because he didn't realize he had man on a crosser like that. Yep. It was a great recovery. That was a, I agree with you. It, the ball wasn't catchable, but it was a hell of a play by Jalen. Just shows his range. Yes, right. It shows his range as a safety. He's great back there, man. He's and, all over and intelligence, football yes. IQ, off no the doubt. charts. Yeah. Totally all right, hey Jerry, this one's for you. In your opinion, from King Me, is guard our weakest position on the team? I, is guard our weakest position on the team? If Cole Hudson's out for an extended period of time. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. In pass pro? Maybe. DJ Campbell's still a young guy. He's good in the run game. But like I think what I would do is I would almost overload the left guard, make Jake Majors turn his head and help there and get a one-on-one against DJ Campbell and pass pro as a young guard. I think moving forward, DJ Campbell's really good. I think people are going to try to attack him, um, especially now that if Cole Hudson's out. I That's why I just wonder. I wonder if you're going to see Hayden Connor play both of those spots and they play Neto some at left guard now. Um, 
you know, I just think that's the they're going to have to do that some and let both of these guards kind of these young guards kind of grow up now quicker than maybe they anticipated or thought. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I know Baylor obviously has been disappointing this year, guys, but I have to remind you, I know it's a dead horse that I keep beating. Their D line's good. They had the best pressure packages versus Texas out of all the teams that played them last year. Nobody did a better job executing their pressure packages than Dave Aranda. And he really is one of, you know, the folks, him and Nick Saban, that exposed this blueprint of how to attack Texas with the amoeba fronts and the simulated pressures and, you know, second level. He's he's one of the ones that kind of started this blueprint. So they got to be ready. I want to stay with you. Yeah, go ahead. Baylor's defensive line, I think, is is pretty talented, and that's mm-hmm. going to allow for Dave Aranda to keep playing those games. Yep. Gabe Hall and TJ Franklin have got to be fifth or sixth year guys, right? Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, this is from Justin Yarbrough. Rod, going to say ask you this one. Sark didn't seem very happy during the presser. I agree. Yeah, so, Rod, how are those talks in the locker room after a game like that going into the week in Monday meetings? They mm-hmm. grab your attention. Uh, yeah, I'm sure, you know, the players are a little bit upset with themselves. I'm sure the coaches are upset because the coaches, you know, Hey, you can argue that they were out coached <laughs> for a lot of that game too. You can make that argument. Their, their preparation and game plan, uh, wasn't up to par with what Wyoming, uh, had. And even they start kind of admit that they threw out some things they didn't expect. So I, I do think that it's actually a good thing for Texas going to big 12 play to have that performance. And maybe that's just me drinking the Kool-Aid glass half full now. They're three I agree with you, Rod. I agree. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think it, dude, they get, they, they're going to coach the hell out of them. And the players at this point, trust me, all of the, the compliments they got, uh, Mac Brown referred to as the sugar on their back, right? All of the glowing praise that was heaped on them after Bama, that is going away now. Uh, now they're looking at themselves in the mirror and they are, you know, evaluating themselves real time and based on the latest film. The la- you, as a football player, you're only as good as your last damn game and their latest film. There's a lot to improve on. So I actually I like this going to the Baylor game. And I think we saw in that fourth quarter, this is a team. This is a team is built a little different. Now, is it the team that we wanted? Like, just be, just because we they're ranked fourth in the country, I don't know what the latest poll said. Third now, third. Third now, okay. Just because they're ranked third in the country doesn't necessarily mean that they're an elite team just yet. Right. That's their they're ceiling. not dominant. They're not yes. a dominant team yet. Yes, they're not they, they Can they find a way to win? Yes, but that is, guys, that's, that's a huge step from where they were a year ago or two years ago. They couldn't find a way to win some of these games late. Now they're winning games in the fourth quarter. That's what TCU did on their way to national title last year. Yeah. Is win games in the fourth quarter. I think the the the, 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 the fast start will come, right? Wait, Sark, the best thing about Sark has been his script since he's gotten here. So I don't think all of a sudden, oh, the script is going to suck every game. I just think that they still it's a filling out process. By the way, I will say script is easier when you have like a Denzel Washington or a Tom Hanks in your script, we got Bijan and Rojo in your script. You know what? It's easier to write the script. The script works. Hey, whoever works. drafted Bijan in uh, fantasy football <laughs> smiling today. Exactly. I, I, he's a stud. <laughs> hey, by the way, in college football this year, from the little bit I've seen, um, there isn't a dominant team. Georgia's do- going to be dominant defensively as long as they have the talent, Will Muschamp, Kirby Smart, okay? Um, Washington may be dominant offensively with Kalen DeBoer. They're kind of teetering on that. USC can be at times because of Caleb Williams, even though he's still got to go win big games. Hey, 
people get on Quinn, he's got to win against Bama. Caleb's got to go win big games. Um, and then, you know, maybe, I, I don't know, Michigan maybe a little bit defensively, but, um, you know, that's all you've seen, but a dominant team all the way around. Not sure that exists this year um, in college football. But somebody asked about the first three quarters. Does that affect recruiting? No, it doesn't because Texas won a game. Here's what happens to me with recruiting, guys, is Colin Simmons watches that game and said, oh, I'd have made that play. Oh, I'd have sacked that guy. They don't have anybody like me pursuing the ball. I'm feeling good about this. If you're a wide receiver, you say, I don't think I dropped that ball. In fact, I may score on that play. Whether they're right or wrong, that's the confidence of the prospect. Um, so Daniel Cruz is watching that saying, oh, I got opportunity here. I, I, I can do this in the run game. I, I can do these. They, they look at it a little bit differently. That's why I've said all year, get the 10 wins. You beat Alabama. And now you're, you're hopeful. It's more get the 10 wins, be a top 10 ranked team, still ascending as your program. And recruits are going to see you that way because you're going to have some guys drafted in April. Best thing about they can do with recruiting is fill a hundred thousand people in a stadium against that, Wyoming. There you go, uh, and then go three and zero and have a party afterwards. Yeah, that, I mean, I'm just telling you, recruit to Jerry's point. Recruits see games like this much, much differently than you and I uh, or adults do. Uh, this is the Sunday Night Live stream brought to you by the folks over at the Cross Oak Group. Uh, let's keep going with some questions right now. I'm alongside Rod Babers and Jerry Hamilton. Uh, Philip Howard asks Bobby. Do we need to worry about Oklahoma? I think it's time to say yes. Um, one of the things that I saw yesterday, um, and I was flipping back and forth uh, d- during some channels prior to the Longhorn game, um, Dylan Gabriel at one point in the game was 24 of 27. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that they throw the short passing game at OU, but to make to throw 24 out of 27 – that's 85%, 87%, something like that. Yep. That's making passing like a handoff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think you need to worry now. It's the same Dylan Gabriel who can be rushed, who can be hit, knocked around a little bit. But I think they're better on the offensive line this year than they were last year, uh, even with the, the loss of a, a key player there. And I also think they are significantly better on defense. Yes, they the are. People that are running their defense actually yeah. understand what Brent Venables is asking them to do. Doesn't mean it's a great defense or anything like that, but just like Texas didn't have a quote unquote great defense last year, but they mm-hmm. were finally understanding what Pete Kwiatkowski was asking them to do. Rod or Jerry, you yeah. think you think OU's a team? Yep, I totally agree with you. I think they're a little better. I'm not convinced yeah. on how much better yet. I mean, somebody's just pasting the ESPN FIF FPI has them number two. That's a joke. Uh, no, they're not. Um, <laughs> number two team overall in the country or number two defense? Yeah, that's that. I mean, look, yeah. I think Alabama's a little improved. I mean, Oklahoma's a little improved. I'm not ready to go big on them at all. Uh, I, I think they, I think the defense is actually much improved. Listen, the offense was going to be prolific last year. It just got hurt. I mean, yeah. Dylan Gabriel in that, in that offense, uh, Le- Levius, I mean, that it, it's compatible. Um, so I, I'm not surprised by the offense. The defense to turn around for me, I think is for real. I think Brent Venables was ashamed of that defense last year. I think, and I think he's, from what I'm hearing, he's as hands on with this group as a defensive coordinator can be at every level of it. Uh, going into this week, they were a top 10 third down defense. I don't know where they are now. I haven't looked at it, uh, but I, I've been doing some research. They are much improved. I'm a jerk. I don't know if they're better. I wouldn't have them better than Texas. I think Texas is still better. 
But oh, don't don't get it twisted. They got embarrassed last year by Texas, and that rivalry game. You one side, I've been embarrassed on that. Hey, I've been embarrassed. I've been embarrassed in that game, guys. You get embarrassed in that game, you think about it the whole year. There ain't no doubt after we got embarrassed in 2000, all we all we were thinking about was getting back to that game to show up. Now we did lose it, but I think we lost like 14 to three or something. Like it was a slobber knocker. Yeah, I don't know that that game ain't going. You ain't blowing Oklahoma out this year. It ain't happening. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. You're coming at that game in the Cotton Bowl is a year after 49-0. To your yep. point, Rod. They played. Somebody just posted. I was wondering about 78 toughest schedule in the country. They haven't played a team that is no. guaranteed to be in a bowl game yet. Arkansas State's bad. Tulsa's bad. Uh, I mean, look. Well, Bobby, to the point though, Rice and Wyoming would smash those guys. And I don't think Rice or I mean Rice and Wyoming's a seven and five type of eight and four type of bowl team in the That's Mountain West. Maybe, maybe we'll see. Um, but they're better than. The, Texas play a much more difficult schedule in Oklahoma at this point. Well, SMU plays TCU this week. Let's see what that looks like. But look, Oklahoma didn't run over at SMU now. No, they did not. No, they did not. Hey, uh, this goes back to you, Rod. Do you think they practice three high to prep for it? They certainly do on game week when they know they're going to get it. Yes. But, I mean, when you can't, it's, it's kind of hard to prep for something when you don't, the team hasn't shown it previously. Uh, to, for that, uh, for them to consider it, right? I mean, yeah, that's kind of well, hard. But Wyoming did show up. Wyoming runs it. I mean, so they shouldn't have been surprised by that. Now, maybe the coverage that Wyoming went to out of the three high, maybe that surprised them. Maybe some of the pressure packages they had accompanied with the three high, maybe that surprised them. But they run it. Um, and they're, like I said, it's you got about five teams in the Big 12 that major or minor in it, including Iowa State and your K State, your TCU. By the way, Brent Venables, Oklahoma. He's going to, he breaks it out. He ran it even at Clemson. Uh, so you'll see it there. And like, like Jerry brought it up yesterday. Hell, if you're doing your homework as a coach now, it's almost malpractice. If you don't run it, at least throw it out there situationally against Texas, considering the data says how effective it is versus Sark. So I think that Rice went, I, I saw Rice run it on a snap against Texas and got a sack against Quinn Ewers. So the teams are going to – I'll be shocked if Baylor doesn't run so, – they don't run it. I've, I don't think Baylor and Dave Rand is not what they do. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if you saw it on third and long <laughs> from Baylor. Just wouldn't be surprised. Got it. Uh, I, here we go. Vivek B, do you have faith in Sark improving his in-game adjustments that go against what he's planned for? I think teams know they can throw Sark out of his comfort zone by simply doing something unexpected. Ah, that's interesting. He certainly made an in-game adjustment adjustment on Saturday night. Yes, he did. Uh, and Bama and so did. Let's, let's be clear. Bama too. Yeah. Right? Bama, yeah. he came out. He, he admitted that usually in that fourth quarter versus Bama, in that situation, he would try to get the team in a rhythm. I want to get them in a groove. What are you doing to get team in a rhythm? You do plays that the team is really comfortable with, plays they run all the time. Well, plays they run all the time, I'm a defensive coordinator. I know those plays. I know the plays you're comfortable with. And that's usually what he said he would do in that situation. But he said he went the opposite. He went George Costanza, right? He said in that situation, he went with the opposite, which was I'm going uber aggressive. So I do think Sark's evolving as a play caller. Now, maybe we want to get the best of both worlds, want the play caller with the great script and the guy that's killing it in the fourth quarter with adjustments. Right? Um, but I do think we're watching him evolve real time. At least I am as a football theorist. I, I see a different play calling Sark. It's not a perfect play calling Sark, 
but I do see a different one in the second half with the adjustments uh, that he's making. I just think he's being more aggressive. I think it's trust, guys. I think he trusts these players in the fourth quarter, and I, I don't think last year and in 2021, I don't think he trusted the entire complement of offensive piece. I think now he'll go in the fourth quarter and be like, man, I ain't called this play in – yeah, I ain't called this play in all season long. You know what? I'm calling it. This is a perfect situation for it. These guys are ready for it. I, or Quinn, you're checking to the right play because he's got the right coverage that he sees. I think there's a lot of trust involved, and that's why the fourth quarters in the second halves are better too. Hey, I've got one for y'all. Uh, this one from Adam Lane. Bama's top 10 streak ended today at 128 weeks. First time in eight years Alabama's not ranked in the top 10. It's what happens when you can't figure out who your quarterback is, guys. Man, I mean that—that's just a, a immediate. My immediate thoughts on that. that uh, all right, uh, this one comes from Texas Tiger. boy. Yeah, that's up there with Tiger Woods cut streak in golf. That's a pretty impressive one. That that's a long yeah. time. Yeah. Hey, here's one from time. Texas boy that goes along with it. When was the last time you can remember there was only one SEC team in the top ten? I want to say this: the Pac-12. What's left of it? Maybe a top three football conference right now. Oh, Washington yeah. and SC. Maybe Utah if they get Cam Rising back. Colorado certainly is looking the part, at least on offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, Colorado's about to. I mean, they got Oregon and USC. Oh, and Oregon. I've been Oregon's another good team right, too. Right. That's what I'm saying. I we'll see at the end of the year. I I think um, uh, we'll see defensively where that conference is at at the end of the year as as teams get better. Yeah, they got the best quarterbacks, no doubt, of all the power conferences. And I'm with you, Bobby. I, I think it may be it, – it's Shakespearean irony that it may be the best year the Pac-12's had in like 15, 20 years, <laughs> and it's the last year for it. It's sad, but I, I think right now, yeah, I mean, the Pac-12, I think they're going to wreak some havoc. I, I think they're going to have a team in the college football playoff. There's no doubt about that, right, at this point, the way it's trending anyway. All right. Um, hey, let's let's talk about this one because I think it's it's an interesting question. Opinion on Jalen Ford so far this season from Chris Christo Driscoll. I don't feel that I have heard his name as much. Has he actually improved his draft stock? Um, he was good against the run yesterday. He's he's improved against the run, guys. I'm just gonna put that out there because I actually I, I went back and watched uh, that and have done that against Alabama uh, as well as the Rice game as well. He has improved as a run defender this year. Uh, last year, he's a little timid. He's definitely more decisive this year, and he's not getting faked out too much. Like, he's not letting his eyes over, over, overanalyze. He's staying in, within his zone. Uh, so I actually think because of that, he has improved his uh, draft stock. You know, where is he going to be? I still don't know that he's a first or second rounder, right? I think he's a third, fourth rounder. I think this defense really, to be honest with you, and I was talking to Jerry about this this, this morning after after we taped um, uh, the uh, uh, grades for the Longhorns. I think this Texas defense is littered with third through seventh round picks right now. I mean, that's yeah. They there may not Tavondre Sweat may actually grade out the highest because of the, the, the body type. Yeah. You know what I mean and yep. where he plays. But for right now, I I think they've got five, six, seven guys that are third through seventh round on defense that are starting. Yeah, Sweat could have a second round uh, ceiling, right? I think that, just because of what you said, Bobby. Um, yeah. But I agree with you, because I think Jade Barron, I love him as a player, but I think he honestly ends up 
late third round, kind of where Rod B was drafted, late third round, fourth round, somewhere in there. Uh, depends on how he tests. But I, I agree with that statement too. But honestly, hey man, you got that means you got NFL players. Uh, later on, as you talk about your Anthony Hills of the world and that group coming in, then you'll have a different class of draftable prospect. Um, but that makes it honestly, it kind of you know, in considering what Sark inherited uh, defensively, I like I said, I, I think he's still kind of on the right, he's on the right track, even with these guys. You're gonna have a probably four guys on defense that are gonna get drafted right right now, just looking at it. At least, right? Yeah. Four at least Dave Barron, Sweat, and Murphy. Alfred Collins. Alfred baby. Collins. Nah, that's four or well, five. Yeah. Hey, if Jalen Catalan's healthy enough, he'll get drafted. If not picked up. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah, I thought about the health with him. Yeah, that exactly. But somebody somebody is going to take a flyer on him in case he is. Um, you know, I I think that's that's where that's at. I uh, got a couple more questions here uh, getting going. Uh, before we get to that, though, I want to say thank you to our sponsor. Uh, and that's the good folks uh, over at the Crossout Group. Uh, guys, uh, they are a, a organization uh, that uh, is one of the leading government affairs firms in the state of Texas. They specialize in lobbying, political communications, business development, and regulatory compliance. So these are the guys you want to call uh, if you have issues uh, that may need to go see some folks in the government. Uh, these days, government finds ways to impact nearly every aspect of your business. With decades of experience ranging from the State House to the White House, Crossout Group helps its clients hedge risk and protect and grow their, learn, or their bottom lines. To learn more, go to www.crossoakgroup.com. That's crossoakgroup.com. Uh, we appreciate them and their sponsorship of the Longhorn live stream. Hey, uh, Rod and Jerry, I know you guys. Jerry, this is one of your guys, so I'm going to let you have this question. Uh, from Brandon Ralston. Love the where, love the play where Derek Williams shed a block and made the tackle. He's a hard hitter. I see why he's gotten his nickname, the Raptor. Hey, this is <laughs> this is the way I describe Derek Williams for those that haven't seen him. Obviously, with my job, I was lucky enough to see him in high school under armor practices. He has cornerback foot quickness playing safety. Mm. Yeah, he can that's a guy that could go play corner in a pinch, and you'd be like, okay. If we give him a week to prepare because we had four guys injured, we think he could hold up if we're playing off coverage, right? He has cornerback feet, but he has linebacker physicality, and he has safety eyes, and he has a strong. He's he's an elite prospect, guys. That's the way I would say it, seeing him, talking to him, watching him. I mean, I'm trying to think who else has that. I mean, you're talking basically about Nathan Basher and Michael Huff. Rod and and Under Armour practices, all the the corner safeties do DB drills together. He had the same feet Malik Muhammad did. Damn. In the drills. I mean, and that's not a knock on Malik Muhammad. Malik Muhammad's a really – Derek Williams just has that type of foot quickness. Yep. And Sark's been looking for that, right? That's why he likes moving corners to safety too. Yeah. Anthony Cook, Keaton Crawford. He's He wants that foot quickness at the safety position uh, because I think in that PK defense – like Jaron Thompson, sometimes they end up where they're basically in an isolated man-on-man situation. And you yeah. love that guy to be able to hold up in man coverage where it sounds like Derek Williams can do that. Astro right. Hall hey, uh, making me laugh, by the way. Another DB question here. Uh, the, did the wide receiver, the Wake, Wake Forest cornerback, Gavin Holmes, play? Yeah. Absolutely. And he was actually in 
Uh, they made some substitutions. When they knew Wyoming was going to pass, they actually took out Terrence Brooks and Ryan Watts and inserted Manny Muhammad and uh, Gavin Holmes. Yep, uh, I saw that. More speed on the field. It, yeah. it, that's what it was about. Yeah, I wonder if that'll continue. They definitely uh, trust Gavin Holmes way more than I thought. Because even in the Bama game, remember, he plays a lot in the Bama game way more than I thought he would play. So they like Gavin Holmes as a cover guy. And, man, Malik Muhammad's already proven as a freshman that he's one of their better cover guys, too. They rotate those four corners, and now it seems like situationally, you may see in coverage situation, you may see that group more. All right. Uh, this one uh, from MJF. Belichick right now is running three high safeties versus the Dolphins. Yeah, Miami is running a lot of outside zone to beat it. Is that what you see that that possibility? But I mean, look, when you have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, you're going to beat some people with speed, right? <laughs> I mean, Texas yeah. does have Xavier, Xavier Worthy that could that's somewhere in that realm, but there ain't another one on the roster. Yeah, my my Miami's unique in that way, right? You're talking about the fastest uh, NFL offense in the league. So there's things they can do nobody else can do. But Belichick's been running it for years. Actually, Belichick's the one that introduced it against Patrick Mahomes. And then Todd Bowles copied that in the Super Bowl. It was Belichick that actually was the first one to introduce. Belichick was studying it, you know, years ago. So he, he's he been on it for a while. And actually, in that uh, Minnesota-Philadelphia Minnesota, ran a lot of three high against Philadelphia. And what did Philly do against it? Pound the rock. I think DJ Swift had like a hundred, uh, he got a career high rushing yards in that game. It, there are different ways. I, I think you can, you can beat the three highs, not, you know, some defense that uh, doesn't have a loophole or doesn't have uh, a and, and way to exploit it. But it, I think for, for an offense because it's relatively new, we're just figuring out the kind of the three high beaters and everybody's experimenting in their own way. And I think Sark's going to be forced to be at the forefront of it because he's in the big 12 where this is the, you know, this is the, uh, the ground, the kind of the experimental ground where the three high was born and where it was created. And because of that, Sark's got to conquer it to win this conference. Cause if he doesn't, that's going to be potentially an upset somewhere down the line because his offense hasn't really been efficient versus those three high looks. If if you're in a three high, there is a ample pressure to set the edge in the run game defensively. Hey, Jerry, uh, ample. You can if you could run outside, or if you have a mobile quarterback that can run outside. I, I think I think those teams have a lot of success against three high running the football. Hey, Jerry, this was from Rob Enfield. We don't, we haven't talked to any basketball uh, today at all. Uh, but, uh, Jerry, did you hear about Arterio Morris, the former yeah. Longhorn, who transferred to KU? He's already been cut uh, by them, I think, for some off some, – yeah. some unfortunate things happened again. This is the second run-in he's had. This, one, this one's worse than the last one without getting into it, the accusation. Mm -hmm. So, uh, that's a big blow to uh, Kansas. And uh, give Rodney Terry credit for saying – saying we, we – we need to let him walk away. Gotcha. Now, now Rob, I hope that answered your question for you. Uh, but yeah, Arturia Morris no longer part uh, of the uh, long wow. or of the KU basketball team. He was the leading. He was the leading scorer for KU in their overseas trip. They were the number one ranked team in the country. They they lost. Uh, uh, Arturia is very talented, but has you know they lost a very key part of that preseason number one ranked team.
Hey, Rod, this is from Bobby Petronic, one of my favorite posters on the Inside Texas Message Boards. If you're not posting on the Inside Message uh, Texas Message Boards or reading them, you do yourself a favor and get a subscription. Uh, he says, we kind of stink at gap schemes this year and seem to get <laughs> decent movement once we started running game, running some outside zone and let Brooks go shopping for a hike. You, you think you agree with that? Because, I, you know, once they did do some outside zone, they popped the big one up the middle. They actually yeah, popped a couple big ones up the middle in that yeah. uh, third last play of the third quarter in the, the second one of the fourth. Yeah, running some inside zone, too. I think they popped yeah. a couple of them. Uh, you can be right about that. I heard Fozzie talk about it, too, that, you know, there are certain running backs that are better at running zone schemes and gap schemes. We talked about the role of these running backs that I don't know if Sark has figured out the specific roles of all the running backs because you haven't had – full, you know, access to all the running backs because CJ Backers had the injuries and then you're figuring out things with uh, Jonathan Brooks and, hell, Keelan Robinson has his role. I think that's pretty well defined. Uh, but even guys like Jaden Blue, and now you're throwing in uh, Savion Red. Like uh, Jerry wants to see more Savion Red. I think a lot of uh, fans do after the the Red, the Red Cat package <laughs> there too. So I think a lot of it is, uh, you know, which one of these running backs fits which schemes better in what situations. And I don't think Sark is – figured it out yet it's unfortunate he hasn't figured it out yet it's not all his fault that now you're about to go into conference play and you don't have those roles defined in the running game yet and, and, and i and i still think one of the reasons that besides just the overall talent and the, a little more physicality for cedric baxter i think the reason the texas staff really loves cedric baxter he's got the best backside cutback vision of the yep. backs there you go and i think that's very important mm-hmm. in the scheme to break the ones yeah all right, I, we got time for a couple more questions here. Uh, I want to go to this one uh, from uh, Victor Santiago. Uh, Victor asks, guys, is it concerning that we don't have an identity yet? Is that true? Uh, even though we are winning in different ways, does Texas not? I think they do have an identity. The defense definitely has one. They're pretty stingy, in my opinion. Defense pretty stingy, uh, especially in, in getting uh, allowing touchdowns. What, what have, how many touchdowns have been scored against Texas? So far this year, three. Yeah, mm. I mean, three TDs against the Texas defense. Now, now, and four. I think uh, I think four. That, four. Uh, thir- yeah, that's right, thirty-four. Four. Twenty-four. Yeah, yeah. Think, Alabama. It'll, it'll be interesting. You know, not next week. Still, Baylor's. Uh, I just don't know if they have enough, right? But then after that, I, I, I think we we know Texas is a good, very good defense. I don't think we think they're an elite defense. I think Texas will be challenged defensively against Kansas, against Oklahoma, with a little higher caliber talent scheme combination um, than they have been to this point this season. I mean, Alabama has players, but Jalen Milrow was guessing where to go with the football. That doesn't tend to work in this game. So I I think it'll be interesting to see. But I think think Texas will – continue to build. I think their identity is going to be a big play passing offense. I think you saw it against Alabama. I think A.D. Mitchell's got to make big plays. Xavier Worthy's got to make big plays. I think their identity is a big play passing game. Um, I think the identity, I always said identity should be built around your strength. What's your strength? Strength is the passing game. So I think the identity is the passing game. That's where you present the most the threats to the defense. Uh, you present the defense with a mathematical equation. They just cannot solve. They can't 
defend all of your, they can't double all of your weapons, right? They can't double X-Man, JT Sanders, and A.D. Mitchell. And then what about Jay Witt? I think that's where the identity is. I just think it's uh, right now a little inconsistent. And I think you need the running game to balance out that identity. And Sark knows that too, because you can't be, no. you know, you can't be too predictable. No. Uh, just all of it be lopsided in your identity with the passing game. So I agree with Jerry. I think it is the passing game. And uh, right now it's just not as consistent as he would like. That's where I brought came up with this. It's going to be our final question tonight, guys, on the Longhorn live stream brought to you by the folks over at the CrossFit Group. This is from A. Ramirez, W14. We're overplaying three high against Sark. In other words, he doesn't think it's so much Sark's uh, issue as it is our QB is just inconsistent. Maybe yeah. it's a little bit of both. Could be. I mean, it could be that, you know, if Quinn, you know, because he's unfamiliar with it for Quinn in his, what, 13 starts that he hasn't seen a lot of it. So for him, it 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 distorts his process a little bit, right? Because he has to see those coverages develop out of the three high instead of the two high in the single. Um, but there's no doubt. Listen, the numbers don't lie, my man. I mean, I, I can give them to you because I got them right here. <laughs> <laughs> and the numbers don't lie, bro. They, his offensive score eight and a half fewer points per game on average. If you compare traditional defenses versus the three high, we're talking about a two touchdown difference on average. The numbers don't lie. Yards per attempt lower, yard passing yards per game are lower, third down conversions down. I'm I, I'm a, I'm a football investigator. I just follow the numbers and the clues. I, I follow the evidence, and the evidence says. It's it's a it's a kryptonite for Steve Sarkeesian. It turns Sark into Steve, and we got to figure out how to fix that. Yeah. All right, uh, guys. I, I tell you what, that's probably going to do it for tonight. Uh, I appreciate. Oh, wait a minute. We got one last super chat. Got in right before I said that. Why does feet from Dale Allen? Why does Quinn have happy feet a lot? I, he does not exude a lot of confidence at times in the pocket. It's like he doesn't have a great feel for contact pressure. Um, and so that's that's one of the things. And I do think that that comes with time. But when he was at South Lake Carroll, he had five wides. They played a lot of five wides. It was throw the ball as soon as he got the ball in his hands. Yep. It's a new situation for him. He's got all the talent in the world. I will say this, and I said it last night, the best play of the game for Quinn Ewers was the, the dump down to Gunnar Helm. He went to a second receiver on the move, threw a nice, easy ball, catchable, great decision. He felt he didn't feel like he was too rushed. I think you guys got to, again, it's just like DJ Campbell. He's only playing his third college game. Mm -hmm. They develop. Rod and I yeah. talked about, and Jerry, we all talked about this last night. The game this for DJ Campbell and Pass Pro will slow down the second half of the season. When that guy crosses his face, it'll start to slow down a little bit more for him. As he sees it, because you can't practice is one thing, but you it, you just can't. It doesn't hold a candle to end the game when you nope. feel the pressure. No, nope. I, I think it's just the whole team. I mean, yeah. look, this team is on a, a trajectory right now. Year one with Sark was bad, right? They look they look lost in the second half of games. To, to Rod's point earlier, scripted plays looked phenomenal with Casey Thompson at quarterback, right? Yeah. Uh, other than a couple games, maybe, but. They came out firing on all cylinders in the first half. Second half, they they cratered. Okay, last year they fixed a little bit of that, right? Mm -hmm. They looked better on defense and got more people. the The offense 
you know, it sputtered still, but they featured both Bijan and Roshan more. This year, it's it's the next year in that maturation. That's mm-hmm. all it is. Exactly. And Sark's mm-hmm. now got his players. Almost the majority of them are his now. And he's trying to run them through and getting it going. And I, I, I believe that Texas is building something to this day. And I know yesterday could have been frustrating to some fans that they didn't blow them out or whatever or dominate. Texas may, may not be a dominant team yet. That may be the next iteration, mm-hmm. right? And yep. when you go to the SEC, I don't know that you're going to have necessarily a dominant team against any team in the SEC. I mean, that's a different category. So you may never see it the same way. Just win, baby. That's hey, right. Bobby, we, have, <laughs> we had somebody ask about uh, future live streams. Coffee and football, five mornings a week, starting at 8 a.m. Um, we have live stream Tuesday night. We have a uh, live stream Friday. Um, I think Justin Wells and I may be doing the recruiting breakdown as a live stream on Tuesday. I'm getting in the car headed east tomorrow after the coffee and football. I'm going to go to New Orleans, Sarah Land, and then the Florida and turn back Ooh. around and head back west. So, uh, Rod, we may do a little talking ball. for. I may do it from the car tomorrow. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I think they like that. They like what Jerry does in front of the car. I've never seen Jerry do a show from the car, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Jerry is quite often in the car, Rod, during the football <laughs> season. You will – uh, be a party to that uh, at some point in time. All right. Hey, guys, we'll see you guys in the morning if you're back for coffee and football. Uh, Rod, thanks for joining us. Jerry, thank you for joining as well. Uh, thank Cross Oak Group for sponsoring us. Thanks for all the super chats and everybody that joined in. And th- this is the bottom line. Texas ends, it, it goes into the non or goes into conference play 3-0. and For all the angst that you may have had last night, for all the concern you had in the preseason about playing Bama, 90 percent of people thought Texas would be two and one today. Amen. Brother. Instead, they're three and zero oh, going to Big Twelve play this week against Baylor. All right, for Rod and Jerry, I'm Bobby Burton. That's been the Sunday night live stream. Thanks. Hook them. Hook them.